0: reading in verse 36 this is jesus jesus gets invited over to a dinner he's a, a guest at a dinner look at what happens it says when one of the pharisees invited jesus to have dinner with him he went to the pharisee's house and he reclined at the table a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that jesus was eating at the pharisee's house and it says so so she came She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner, That she's a sinner. We're gonna see the rest of that story in just a moment. Out of Luke chapter seven, those couple verses that we read, today I wanna talk to you from this subject or this theme, if you're taking notes, we like to take notes, we believe they check them in heaven. Um, Today I wanna talk to you, I'm just kidding. Today I'm gonna talk to you from this subject, break out of the box, break out of the box. In fact, why don't you touch five people around you and tell them break out of the box, break out of the box, Break out of the box. Come on. Let's pray. Why don't we close our eyes? We're going to ask God to help us this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus for a little bit, and then we'll go have an amazing day. Cool? Cool. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love with us and toward us. Thank you for this church meeting across three locations today. Thank you for Kendall Campus, West Campus, and City Campus. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We pray that all across campuses and services today, you would be magnified. God, have your way as we talk about you today. Open up our eyes to see you, Jesus, and that we would understand why we do what we do, why we have a heart for this house. God, we love you, we praise you. It's in your name that we pray. All of God's people say, Amen. oh, come on, all of God's people say, Amen. come on, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. <clears throat> the art of exchange has been happening for centuries, right? People exchange things all the time humanity this is how we began to actually continue to develop and build cities towns and ultimately countries it's because we we began to exchange things that we needed for example if if i have something that you want you would buy something from me that's that's called an exchange and in fact today you can buy something and try to bring down the price it's called haggling a couple of weeks ago we were in Jerusalem, 41 of us from church went to Israel, had an incredible time, but we went to the Jerusalem markets. And maybe you've heard about haggling, maybe it exists in your country as well, but you can go to markets and you can say, hey, I, I, I want what you have. And because they want what we have, which is called money, they'll begin to haggle price and they'll begin to say, well, I, let me see if we do this exchange. One of the guys on our team, he went into the market. He walked into this one little store, and he wanted a rug. And the guy had said, I think, let's say something about 100 bucks for this rug. And our friend was like, nope. He had heard that you can begin to haggle in this exchange. And my friend's like, nope, $100 is too much. The guy's like, I'll give it to you for 85 My friend's like, nope, it's too much. I'll give it to you for 75 My friend's like, nope, I'm walking away. You got to walk away. If you want to haggle right, you got to walk away. And so my friend's like, nope. And my friend began to walk away. And then the guy's like, come on, how much do you want? My friend's like, I'll give you 55. He's like, sold, sold, right? It's an exchange because they want something that you have and you want something that they have. Haggling is kind of also similar to, to bartering. Bartering just means, hey, let's exchange. I have something. You have something. I want that. You want this. Let's, let's exchange it. I, I think really the art of exchange started, I'll tell you where it started, elementary school cafeterias. Yeah. Come on, I remember Twin Lakes Elementary in Hialeah, where I grew up, where bartering happened. You would be in the cafeteria, let's say you would be there, and if you're like me, I used to love the chocolate milk in the cafeteria lunch. And if you drank yours a little bit too fast, you would look down at the table and see who still had their chocolate milk left. And I remember little Jimmy, (laughs) Jimmy would still have his chocolate milk, and And my mom used to make some amazing bologna and mayonnaise sandwiches come on mom made some amazing mayonnaise and bologna sandwiches and so i would look and i'll say okay I, i want your chocolate and i saw that your mom didn't make you no sandwich so i'll give you half of my sandwich if you give me the chocolate milk and the exchange would happen because jimmy was hungry and i was thirsty and so we would exchange our goods and our services hey you give me that chocolate milk and I'll give you this sandwich and since elementary school this is the way that life is for all of us when we want something when we really need something hey i I really need that so I'll do this for that now, now that's great I think that, that that's the way of life for most of us and while we work in exchange for money and while we do things in exchange for goods The problem occurs when we try to bring this over to our relationship with God. We think that God works this way. In fact, we think that this way of living, we think that this thought process, we think that this attitude is the same one that's going to work with God. God, I'll I'll give you some of my time. I'll give you some of my gifts, my resources, my finances. Only if, and that's only if, You give me what I want. It's a little quiet this morning. Come on. God, I I promise you, I'll give you this if you just fulfill this request. Come on, we've all done that. We've all done that. or we've heard people do that. Come on. Haven't you heard somebody ever say, God? Oh, God. If you fix my marriage, God. God, if you fix my marriage, I will serve you all the days of my life. I'll give you everything, God. We've heard people say that. God, if you fix this financial situation that I'm in, oh, God, I'll give you all my tithes, my offer, I'll give you everything. God, It everything will belong to you. God, I'll give you everything. God, if you can fix this situation that I'm in, God, if you can get me out of this mess, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in with you. i will go to grow track, every track, four tracks, all tracks. God, I'm in if you give me this, right? And so we begin to have this exchange with God. God, you give me what I need, and I'll give you what you need. Now, there's a problem. though. The problem with bartering with God is that God doesn't work like Jimmy in elementary school because Jimmy in elementary school was hungry and I was thirsty. And so I exchanged something that he needed for something that I needed. I needed another chocolate milk. Jimmy needed a half a sandwich. And so the exchange was reasonable. But when we take this over to God, it doesn't work that way. Because I'm in need, but there's another person in this exchange that is not in need. God doesn't need anything that I have. And so this is why we can't barter with God. This is why we can't negotiate with God this way. Because God's not in heaven lacking anything. I'm in lack, but he's not. And so I can't say, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll give you my gifts, my talents. I'll give you my time. Doesn't work that way because God is not in heaven having a board meeting like, guys, what are we going to do? Jersey still hasn't given up his time. Still is not serving on dream team. Gabriel, you're going to have to go down there. You're going to have to serve at the Calvary dream team because this is getting out of control. God is not in heaven lacking. Anybody know what I mean? Like like God's not saying, okay, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, Ray. Until Ray starts giving, I I don't know what we're going to do. The gospel needs to go across the earth, but Ray, I don't know what we're going to (laughs) do. So he's not in heaven like, guys, guys, what are we going to do? I need the gospel to go across the world, but race to is in giving. I might go and exchange something with him. Because I need his money, and he needs me to come through for him. That, that's not why we do what we do. God is not lacking anything. Like, I, I wake up some morning, I'm going to be honest with you, and I lack peace. Anybody with me? God doesn't wake up and say, Oh, I have no peace today. He is peace. I wake up some days and I see, I need somebody to encourage me because I forgot who I am in Jesus. God wakes up every day and he knows who he is. I wake up some days and I need grace. He is grace. God is who he is. He's confident in his title. He doesn't need encouragement. He doesn't need peace. He doesn't need grace. He is God. He is awesome. He is almighty. He is eternal. Come on. He's God and he's God all by himself. He's God all powerful. He doesn't need my money. He owns all the money. He doesn't need my life. He owns all of life. He doesn't need my he- Come on, God has and owns everything and so I can't give him what he already owns God I thank you for the heart you've given me God's like yeah I own that heart God if you bless me I'll give you some of my time God's like you're actually living on my borrowed time for you oh that means every single breath I take is because he gives it to me as a gift Oh, oh come on every day that I wake up he gave it to me and said come on this morning we got blessed with another day of life come on this morning we got blessed with oxygen in our lungs come on this morning we got to wake up and come to the house this morning I can worship him because he gives me strength this morning I can lift up my voice because God has given me another day of mercy another day of grace come on if you believe that can you lift up a praise give God a big shout come on come on some of us, we approach God like we're doing Him a service. You all right? <laughs> he's come through to me. Some, I still don't got a wife. I raised my hand. I did see too many single people. As if we owe God any favors. We don't worship God because of what He gives. We worship God because of who He is. And so this exchange and this bartering It can't work with God because he's never in need. I don't worship him because I need something. I worship him because of how good he is. And if we try to do this bartering and exchange with God, there's a problem. And that's that we want more done for getting what he already did. Oh, come on. Anybody grateful for his grace? Anybody grateful for another day of life? Come on, anybody grateful that when we were stuck in the pit of hell, come on, he came and he raised us up and he put us on a rock. Come on, anybody grateful that God has been good to us? He's good. And so here's what we do. We give everything in worship because God has given everything in grace. Why do we worship? Why do we do what we do? Well, God has been so good to us we will give it all in worship because god has given it all for us in luke chapter 7 we actually get a beautiful beautiful story of what's going on and and there's an exchange that is happening but it's a different exchange than what we're used to luke chapter 7 there's a beautiful story because jesus he gets invited to the house a pharisee now if you don't know who pharisees are they were the very religious people pious people they they were well versed in scripture and according to society and towns they were the people who knew god the most and they were the people who were closest to god and so pharisees had this kind of fame of being the ones who knew god best and knew his word best and one pharisee named simon he he wants jesus to come over for dinner and so he approaches jesus and he invites Jesus for dinner, and Jesus has said, has said yes, and so Jesus is coming over the house. And that's amazing. Anybody would like Jesus to come to the house? Come on. You're about to have dinner with Jesus, hummus and pita. And um, Jesus comes over, and, and they're hanging out at the house. They're, they're at Simon's house. Simon is a Pharisee, probably well-known in his city, and and Jesus has said yes to the dinner invite, and so Jesus is there, and the Bible says that Jesus, he reclines at the table, so Jesus is hanging out with Simon, chilling, relaxing, maxing, all cool, playing some b-ball. No, he wasn't playing b-ball, he was eating, And, and, and they're there hanging out. The Pharisee, the one who supposedly knows God the most, has invited Jesus over for dinner, and Jesus is now in his house. The thing that happens is that a lot of times we want Jesus to come in the house, but we don't want Jesus to bring house rules. The Pharisee was prepared to have Jesus over, but he wasn't prepared for what Jesus was about to bring to the house. A lot of times we want Jesus to come into the house, but don't tell me how to live in the house. And so we invite Jesus to Jesus. You can come to my house. I love it. Jesus, come over to my house. I would love to have you for dinner. We'll have a mate, we'll have falafels too. It'll be amazing. It'll be awesome. But Jesus, you just you just chill there and don't tell me how to live my life. Just hang out at my house. You look good here. Just hang out back there, Jesus. Me and you were good. My boy, I love you. But but don't tell me how to live my life. I just want Jesus in the house. I don't want what Jesus brings. The Pharisee wanted Jesus in the house, he wanted him to come over for dinner. But he wasn't prepared for what Jesus in the house would do to his way of thinking. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 7 that while they're at the house eating dinner, a woman appears at the house. She has heard, the Bible says, she's heard that Jesus is in the house. And because Jesus is in the house, she needs to make her way to the house. By the way, that's why Calvary always is going to be about Jesus being in the house. People are not attracted to cool lights, cool screens. Love that color. People don't come for any of that. I love that we have cool graphics. I love that we have cool videos. I love that we're a very modern church and we're trying to do everything we can to reach all people. But that's not the most important thing we need. What we need is to make sure that Jesus is always in the house. Oh, come on, somebody. As long as Jesus is in the house, marriages are restored. As long as Jesus is in the house, grace is always present. As long as Jesus is in the house, peace will always reign because Jesus is in the house. What good would it be to have this church? It's amazing. A lot of cool lights, a lot of cool speakers, a good looking speaker. But 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 Jesus is not in the house. Some of you laughed too hard. The church of Jesus across the world, what we need is not a lot of cool graphics and speakers and all that. What we need is Jesus. Because the world is looking for Jesus. They're not looking for me. They're not looking for you. They're looking for hope and they're looking for Jesus. And so this woman, this woman, she's heard that Jesus is in the house. So she's making her way to the house. She has to make it to the house because the Bible says that 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 she grabs an alabaster jar and she makes her way to the house. Now, now, we don't know the woman's name. Luke chapter 7 doesn't give us her name, but it does, tell us, it does tell us that she's a what? She's a sinful woman. No name, but we know her reputation. Isn't it crazy? A lot of times the devil, he'll try to rob you of your identity or try to give you a new identity by your past, by what you've done, or by where you've been. And so people don't know you as you anymore. They know you as, oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the guy that's always drinking. That's the alcoholic. Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, hey, The guy that's always, like, always angry and he has temper issues, right? A a <laughs> oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, that's the guy that's always cheating on his wife. Oh, oh, I know, I know her. Yeah, yeah. She's always... And all of a sudden, what the enemy will want to do is give us a new identity by where we've been and by what we've done. This woman, she's not known by her name. She's known by her past. But she hears that Jesus is in the house. Now the Pharisee, he's religious. He knows God. He's clean cut. How could this woman ever come into the house? We don't know what she's done. Maybe she cheated on her husband. That's why she's a sinful woman. Maybe she's a woman of the night or a prostitute. And that's why she's known as a sinful woman. We don't know what she's done. All we know is that her new identity is a sinful woman. She's not really allowed to be in the house. But because Jesus is in the house, things change. Because society wouldn't accept a sinful woman to get close to a Pharisee, at least out in the outdoors, in the open where everybody can see it. But because Jesus is in the house, the rules change. When Jesus is present, it doesn't matter what religion says, because Jesus is not religion, Jesus is relationship. And so now Jesus is in the house, the woman, she comes running and she gets to the house. And I love it because she feels much different with Jesus than she does with the Pharisee. And the first thing, why we do what we do, is because with Jesus, we are allowed to come near. Somebody shout, come near. near. Why? Jesus allows us to come near. Religion would tell you, hey, stay away. You're no good. You should be full of shame and you should be full of guilt because of what you've done, where you've been, your thought process, what you're thinking about doing, things that nobody knows. But God doesn't work like religion. Jesus didn't check her history because he knows her destiny. Jesus didn't consult her past when he knows her future. Come on, we serve a God that is so good that he's allowed you and me to come close to him in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our mentality, in spite of our thoughts. Come on, he's a He's a God that allows us to come near. Somebody shall come near. You can come near to God today. I can come near to God today. We can all draw near because God is so good. My sins should have kept me away from Him. shouldn't be allowed. According to society standards, you've heard it, you you go to church? They let somebody like you in there? (laughs) Because we think that you got to be perfect to come in the house. You don't have to be perfect to get in the house. You don't have to have it all together to come in the house. You come into the house to meet Jesus to help you get it all together. And so so we're grateful. We're grateful because we were so far from God. That's why Paul says this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, remember that all of you at one time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded in citizenship from Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. We, We didn't have, we weren't partakers of the promise of the covenant. We were far from God. But now in Christ Jesus, come on, somebody say, but now. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Come on, anybody grateful for Jesus? I was far. I was far, but now I can come near. That's why a couple verses down in verse 19, he says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And I love this last part. And you're also members of Of his household. Oh, come on. Because Jesus is in the house, you and I now we can be a part of the house. Come on, we're a part of the house that God is building all throughout the world because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his love, because of his forgiveness. God has been good to us, and we can come near, and so we come near. Alex, why do you worship the way you do? Why do you guys get together and you guys are all why? Because we can come near. Because I know where I was. I, I know where I could be. Hello? But God. But God. And so the woman, she comes in and she knows the Pharisee want to allow her in. But now that Jesus is in the house, and the Bible says that she stands behind him. And the next thing that she does, it's kind of crazy. In fact, it's, it's what, what we do. Number two, it's a radical response. We give a radical response when Jesus is in the house and when we realize what he represents and what he does because she comes into the house. The Bible says that she's standing behind Jesus, maybe because she's full of shame and guilt. She's been wearing the scarlet letter perhaps, or maybe she's been known around town as being a woman of the night. For one reason or another, she stands behind Jesus, but the next verse says that she is at the feet of Jesus crying, which means that she probably crawled over on the floor and now is at his feet crying in tears and she is weeping And she is sobbing. This is a radical response because she's been looking for a long time for somebody to love her back. She's been looking for somebody to give her some type of validation. Somebody not just to take from her, but to give her some peace, some hope, somebody to hold her tight. And everywhere she's been, it's nothing but cold arms. And she's finally found the one that doesn't take, but he gives. And his exchange, it's not fair. His exchange, come on, it's called grace. And so, can we be real? I've done it, maybe you've done it. We've given ourselves to all kinds of things in this world. Thinking that they can fulfill us. Thinking that they can come and satisfy our souls. We've given ourselves in relationships. We've given ourselves to things that this world has to offer. We throw ourselves at the foot of everything that this world comes our way trying to find validation, trying to find hope, trying to find peace. I'll do it for a career, I'll do it for some money, I'll do it for a relationship. I'll do it for all this. I give up myself, I open up my heart I give my life only to be left in a cold place. You think I'm not gonna act that way when I finally find the one that can give me everything my soul has wanted? Oh I've, I've thrown myself at the feet of a bunch of things only to find myself looking like a fool afterwards. But now that Jesus is in the house, Oh, come on some of us we know this is the way that we should respond and this is why some of us respond the way that we do and this is why some of us get here at 6 a.m. and we begin to prep the house and we pray and we turn on the lights and we turn on screens and we serve and we're praying before service and there's tears coming down our eyes during worship because God has been good so good to us I've thrown myself at the feet of all things in this world and nothing has filled me up the way that Jesus can fill me up nothing has satisfied my soul the way that Jesus can satisfy I've been there. I've done that I've searched and nothing can do me like Jesus can do me come on if you believe that give God a big praise this morning come on he's a good God how could I not worship him how could I not give him my heart my soul my mind when everything else just left me wandering she throws herself at the feet of Jesus and she's crying and she's sobbing and she grabs an alabaster box or a jar and that perfume was a costly perfume. A lot of people would save it to the day that they would pass, because when you pass, it's what was used to anoint the body. It was basically your whole life savings at one point. It could cost up to a year's worth of wages. So what does she have? 50, dollars $60,000, $70,000, $80,000, $90,000 worth at this jar. And she says, my God is so good. And he's giving me something that this world can't give me. I'll break the box for him Oh, I'll open the box and I'll pour out my worship I'll pour out my life I'll pour out my talent I'll pour out my love I'll pour out my finances I'll pour out everything Because God, he's been so good I should have been dead I should have been in jail I should have been in the hospital I should have gone crazy I could have lost my mind But my God is so good He got me out the pit He put me on a rock Come on, God is good He deserves he at least deserves my worship. And so Calvary, why do we do what we do? Because he's good. Because I don't deserve to be here. Because my sins should have killed me. Because depression should have gotten the best of me. Because those crazy nights should have ended me. My anxiety could have choked me out. and My financial problems could have... Made me tap out of life. But, but God. Come on somebody. But God is so good. I don't care what people say. And I don't care if people look at me crazy. I'll cry at his feet. and I'll break open my alabaster jar. Because he gave me life that nothing else can give me. Because he satisfied my soul in a way that nothing else can. I'll give him, I'll give him my life. So maybe you're searching today. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I've tried and I've tried looking. What can satisfy my soul? Can I tell you, Jesus is in the house. He's in the house. And he's full of love and he's full of grace and he's full of compassion. And he's not here to judge and point fingers. He's here to lend a hand. And he's saying, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are today. Come. Come tired weary worn out full of shame and guilt come not so you can stay that way I'm gonna help you but just come just come And so the Pharisees tripping Luke chapter 7 verse 39 it says that the Pharisee he thinks to himself if this guy is really a prophet he wouldn't let this woman touch him Jesus he can hear all things By the way, there's not only one sinner in the picture, there's two sinners. One's on the floor and she's known as a sinner. The other one's at the table judging the one that's on the floor. One's full of sin for being either an adulterous woman or a woman of the night. The other one's at the table full of pride and comparison. And so there's two sinners in the picture. And Jesus, he tries to give an example. In Luke chapter 7, look at verses 44 and on. It says, Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 the other one 50 Neither one of them had money to pay back. So he forgave the debts of both. Which one will love him more? The Pharisee Simon replied, Well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. And Jesus says, Well, you have judged correctly. Two people had a big debt. But the one who owed the most, he's probably going to love the guy who forgave him the most. Jesus says, You're right. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the women and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss when I came in, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, as her great love has shown. Another translation says, these are acts of love because she understands this. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You can say you love, but love comes with action. Love requires action. Because you and I, we can come in here and we can, we can give something to somebody well, you can give without love, but you can't love without giving. Whatever you love, you'll give yourself toward it. And So I can't say I love my neighbor if I never have action behind that statement. I can give to my neighbor without loving him, but I can't love him without giving him. And so I wonder today if we really understand what God has done for you and for me, because when we do, love requires action. Why do we do what we do as a church? Why do we have... 300 plus people on Dream Team that set up our campuses, set up every service. Why do we get in here and pray first thing in the morning as a Dream Team together? How come all week we work long It's so that people may know Jesus because he's been so good to us? And because we love him and we understand this, it requires acts of love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.